Welcome to Yellow and Brown Tales, Asian American Folk Life Today, a podcast where we give voice to the expressive culture of Asian American life, such as tradition, identity, food, and more. Hello, I'm Nancy Ann, one of the hosts of Yellow and Brown Tales. Our guest today is Dr. Grace Cow, and we'll be talking about the global phenomenon that is BTS, the seven-member South Korean male pop group. Dr. Cao is the IBM Professor of Sociology at Yale University. She is the former vice president of the American Sociological Association and former chair of the sociology department. She studies race, ethnicity, and immigration as they collectively relate to education and relationships among young people. More recently, she has developed interests in the sociology of music and in K-pop in particular. Her recent article co-authored with Won Suk Lee, Make It Right. Why Black Lives Matters to K-Pop, BTS, and BTS Armies was published in the International Association for the Study of Popular Music Journal. Welcome, Grace. I'm really excited to talk to you about BTS because I am also a huge fan. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So first, could you explain BTS? Because there are many people who have heard of them but may not know the particulars of their popularity. So could we start with that? Sure. So BTS actually stands for Bantan Sonyandan, which is literally bulletproof Boy Scouts, or actually in Chinese, it'd be bulletproof Young Persons Association. So they're a South Korean group, but of course, those that name can also be said in Chinese. So that's why I mentioned the, the translation. They debuted in June 2013. And as you said, there are seven members, a very interesting group because they came out of a very small company, which is a big hit. In K-pop, there are management companies that produce the idol groups. And the big three, at least at that time, was SM. JYP and YG. And so they were not part of the big three. So they were seen as an underdog group. They had trouble getting onto a TV show and so forth. I think one thing that they did that was innovative is they were very active on the internet and recording videos and so forth, communicating with fans even before any music was released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have quite a lot of social media content and a lot of YouTube videos. And actually, I'm curious to know more about your origin story. How did you find out about BTS in the first place and become a fan? Yeah, so I had heard of BTS somewhere, I think. But the first time I saw them was on um, Saturday Night Live in April 2019. Again, I was curious about them. And they were also the first Asian musical guests on SNL in their 40 plus year history. So it was a big deal. I was really surprised by the fact that I liked them so much. I probably held some of the same stereotypes that many of us who are unfamiliar with K-pop might hold, that somehow the performances are robotic or people are just they're singing and dancing in a way that they're told to do and unable to express themselves in a way. And, you know, I just found the choreography for Boy With Love and the song to be so charming. And then they also performed Mic Drop on that episode. And I think that's when I first learned about them. But I don't think I fell really deep in the rabbit hole until pandemic, I think, because just before 
the lockdown started, the last conference I went to was a conference for students at working in Korean studies. And so I was there as sort of, you know, like an old head kind of person. And I met someone who was a PhD student in ethnomusicology at Ohio State. So that's my collaborator, Won Sakbi. He was a session musician in the K-pop industry and he studied BTS. So I became very interested. And then we were all stuck at home. So he and I started corresponding and I started watching BTS videos and then that turned into watching K-pop videos and learning all about it. And I even took first semester Korean last fall (laughs) to try to learn more about this. So I'm devoted. Okay. Well, I hear that they are a very good ambassador to encourage people to learn Korean. I actually became, I also saw that 2019 SNL performance. I had heard about them. I had a couple of friends who were really into them. And at the time, I didn't really understand. So I watched that performance and I'm like, yeah okay, you know, that's fine. And maybe I just didn't have the bandwidth to really kind of enjoy them. I was very busy teaching. And then this past July, and I totally remember it was July the 4th weekend, I watched their performance on the Grammys this past year, which I did enjoy. I thought that is that was very mm-hmm. polished, very mm-hmm. sexy, very glamorous. And I was watching it again. And mm-hmm. somehow I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube and I just mm-hmm. watched <laughs> like Dynamite, And all their different, they had like six or seven performances that were so equally polished, glossy, like they had created Mm -hmm. like a highly stylized music video for each talk show performance. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they are, Mm -hmm. they work really hard and they're so polished. And so since then, I've been watching everything on YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I mean, part of the reason I think I was able to really enjoy them was, you know, it's during COVID. And there's like COVID downtime. And my sense is that maybe a lot of people also got into them during COVID because they were you know, looking for things to do, looking for things to watch. But I don't think that explains everything. And I'm wondering, what is your sense about why have they become so popular in recent years? What is it about this moment in time that has allowed their success just to be phenomenal? And as you said, you know, they're unusual in the sense that their popularity is not just restricted to South Korea or Asia or even Asians throughout the world. Fans of all ages and backgrounds throughout the world really love BTS. This is something that no other group has achieved. And so I'm kind of curious for your take on why have they become so popular in the past few years? Yeah, I will say, though, it's true that they're they're popular like no other group, but there are other groups that are coming and there are groups that almost sort of broke into the US and UK market. So, you know, it would be a mistake to think that they're singular in in every way, but they are special. I mean, there's no doubt that they are special. Viewing on YouTube is up during COVID. So that's part of it. Everyone is is at home, or at least some of us are at home, stuck at home. And once you sort of search for BTS on YouTube, you start watching their music videos, and that turns into watching their dance videos or their TV performances like like you did. <laughs> and so a lot of us have been down, down that route. But they were popular already worldwide before the pandemic. You know, just to go a little bit further back in history, the first song that ever broke through in terms of the Billboard Hot 100 charts in the U.S. was a song called Nobody by the Wonder Girls. And that was in 2009. And then 2010, Mm -hmm. a guy named Psy, I think a lot of us will remember Gangnam Style. That was Mm -hmm. actually the second song that broke through and hit number two. 
it is true since then a few songs have sort of gotten into the charts but if you look now most of them have been bts songs so bts did break through billboard hot 100 before the pandemic but it was really during the pandemic where they of course they had the first number one that was the first number one song by a k-pop group and since then they've had six so they've achieved that faster than any group since the Beatles, right? So it's not, mm-hmm. they're not just remarkable compared to other K-pop groups, but just compared to groups, period. So the pandemic, in a way, has been good for them in terms of getting more people to know about them and to appreciate them. I think there is something special about fandoms in K-pop and BTS ARMY in particular. For those of you who don't know, every fandom in K-pop, every fandom of every group has a name. So BTS's fandom is called ARMY, and that's a name that's given by the management company even before they debut. For example, there's a group called Seventeen, and their fandom is called Carrot. Blackpink's fandom is Blinks. Super Mm -hmm. Junior is Elfs and so forth. So everyone has a name. So the fans, you know, not only support their artists, At concerts and TV shows, they have to learn fan chants, which is very unique to K-pop. But there's also a lot of promotional activities. And I think BTS, you know, ARMY in particular are so devoted that they do a lot of this stuff. And I think what was crucial is that there's essentially tens of thousands, if not more, volunteers that are translating the material. So even though they have, you know, behind the scenes videos and all this stuff without translation, it's very hard to reach everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not really possible for the small company to have kept up with translating everything. So they just they have these very devoted fans that organize streaming. They were able to break the record on YouTube for the most number of streams in 24 hours. So Dynamite broke that record and then Butter broke the record on Dynamite. But these are sort of organized, concerted efforts by ARMY to make up for the fact that, you know, they weren't getting radio play and so forth before then. So some of this is timing, but they were already quite popular. So I would just say during the pandemic, it really took off. Yeah, I get that sense too, that during the pandemic really took off. And, you know, their popularity didn't start when I found out about them, but it kind of feels like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. But I do have to say that I find that it is unusual for a K-pop group to reach these heights of popularity. And as you noted, they have devoted fans to translate things and make it accessible because I don't speak Korean. And so, I mean, I feel kind of bad saying this, but I feel like I could really relate to it more because of Dynamite because it was in English. Yeah. And even though I've listened to the album B and I still like the Korean songs, I read the translated lyrics, but, you know, I can't sing it. But it's yeah, it's really interesting to me that an Asian group has broken these barriers the way BTS has. And so I want to go back to what you said earlier was that you had these stereotypes also about K-pop groups. You know, K-pop groups are robotic and they're doing what they're told. Can you talk a little bit more about that and open our minds up a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I do some work in Korea, so I've traveled there, and I was curious about the training system. For those of you who don't know, the way the system works is that young people audition at all of these companies, and companies decide which trainees they will accept, and then they're trained for months up to many years before they are selected to debut in a group. And of course, most people will not make this cut, right? So they might be training hundreds of people in a company, and then they're evaluated monthly, they're given dance lessons 
lessons, singing lessons, taught how to look at the camera, how to speak to the camera. They're given lessons in English and Japanese, in Chinese, in the big markets so that they can communicate on television and so forth. So there's lots of training. And then they're assembled into a group. So they don't have any say in terms of they want to be in a rap group or you know, R&B group and so forth. So to some extent, there's not much freedom, especially at the beginning for many idol groups. And I guess that's where some of my stereotypes came from, of course. And then there's lots of media stories about plastic surgery in Korea that has the highest per capita rate of plastic surgery. So you're imagining all these poor young people being trained to sing and dance and then, of course, having to get plastic surgery so that they have the right look and so forth. And some of these things, unfortunately, I think are true. But I guess that's also one way that BTS is a little bit unique because the group was built around a person. So RM, the lead who's also his given name is Kim Namjoon and they built the group around him and then they mm-hmm. you know added Suga and then J-Hope and so forth so the group was built a little differently their manager I think was more liberal and flexible about rules and so forth because idols idol trainees have lots of rules to follow they all live together they're not supposed to give free interviews they're not supposed to smoke drink have tattoos any of this stuff so in a way BTS has broken all mm-hmm. those barriers mm-hmm. Jungkook has a lot of tattoos. Yes, of course. (laughs) Of course. So again, I think some of my images were rooted in some kind of reality. But honestly, I didn't know anything about the music or the groups and so forth. And I had completely, to be honest, totally underestimated the skill level that these folks are performing at. I mean, it is incredible. And I will say it's not just BTS, but BTS, of course, is exceptional. Mm -hmm. But there are so many talented young people there that are working so hard. They produce albums so quickly. They have to learn these complicated choreographies. As you said, when they're promoting a song, especially like Dynamite or Butter, they have to do a slightly different choreography for each televised performance, right? They can't do the same thing again. So they're learning things at incredible speeds. Some of the songs get re-recorded in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of versions of the songs and so forth. It is incredible. I was really fascinated because they do not phone it in. (laughs) Mm -mm. They Mm -mm. really work hard at all the performances and I was just like wow the level of skill and practice and the whole team effort their stylists yeah. and choreographers they all play this role into creating this group that is just really mm-hmm. good to watch and I'm thinking back to an interview that I think I read about Bang si I'm hoping I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name correctly who is their manager you know he's the producer who produced their songs and kind of created mm-hmm. created the company and it's his company. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And Shepard of BTS's success. And he said something that I thought was really interesting that in K-pop, they understand that to become a successful idol, it's not just about music. It is also, it's like a whole package. It's about music. It's about dancing. It's also about fashion. And as we've seen, a lot of social media content and they have their their variety shows and reality shows. The reality show, I guess, would be Bon Voyage, where they go to different places and travel. I still haven't seen all of those things, so I feel way behind. I think it's almost impossible to see everything. (laughs) Do you have a Weverse account? (laughs) I do, of course. That's the only way to buy the online concert tickets. There's no way to do it otherwise. They they rope you into Weverse pretty quickly, actually. So for those of you who don't know, Weverse is its own system where fans can view content made by artists and Every K-pop group is on Weverse, but now there's also lots of non-K-pop groups that use Weverse. Right. 
And I'm a bad fan because I'm not a weavers yet, but I'll get there. I'm, I'm still learning everything. I wanted to go back to one thing that you said, which was about mm-hmm. the lyrics mm-hmm. um, and so forth. And I think that is really hard, but I think that's why fans begin to learn some Korean. Mm-hmm. They want to get closer to the song. So, you know, people memorize, they learn, they read the lyrics in English, but then you can start learning some of the words in Korean and then people start learning Korean so that they can understand some of the lyrics. So it is an obstacle, but it's an obstacle that I think lots of people are trying to overcome Mm -hmm. when they very much get into BTS and other K-pop groups as well, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that, I mean, may not be applicable, maybe not to, you know, just to BTS, but I'm going to have a little uh, qualifier. So, of course, what I do know about K-pop is focused on BTS because I haven't gotten into the other K-pop groups. So to me, I'm very much focused on their influence, even though, as you said, there are other groups before them. There's Blackpink, there's Psy, who kind of like, you know, smoothed the way a little bit for their success. But I'm wondering about, they've become so big. I'm wondering what you think their influence is. How? I'm really intrigued by some of the cultural shifts that BTS has made in how people may see Asia and Asians and South Koreans. And I'd like to hear your thoughts about it a little bit more. Because of their global popularity, their immense popularity, have they shifted the way people see South Korean Asian men? I think that's a a really good point. And I would say definitely, but also the shift is still ongoing. So I don't think Mm -hmm. it's, it's ended in any way. And again, they are exceptional. They are the top selling artists ever in Korea. They were the top selling artists in the world last year. I don't mean to say that there's so many groups like them, but Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't develop in a vacuum and there, there are many groups before them and there are many groups coming after them that are also getting television appearances and so forth. And so I do look forward to a whole string of other groups that are coming. Mm-hmm. But they are exceptional that, for instance, you know, I just wa- I wanted to throw out some <laughs> some statistics for, for people that are listening. They actually have had 20 of the top 30 most liked tweets of all time. Mm-hmm. And Jungkook alone has had six of them. So, you know, they're exceptional in that space. Jungkook on TikTok, his is the most viewed hashtag. Um, It's at 80 billion. So you do see them everywhere. Having said that, it's not like everyone who's not paying attention to pop music will know about BTS. I feel like people that are, you know, I'm in my 50s and people my age, certainly most people do not know who they are unless they're my friends. <laughs> and if they're my <laughs> friends, they've heard of them through me. But it's not it's not as if they've completely saturated this market. I think what's important is also, you know, K-dramas. So many people mm-hmm. saw Squid Game and mm-hmm. Netflix is... It, has invested so much money in bringing K-dramas to to all kinds of markets. So I think all that is, is super important. Again, I do think there are other groups. I know I keep coming back to that because when you just pay attention to um, BTS, it's easy mm-hmm. to come up with all kinds of and I, I started this way, too, that I said, oh, BTS is special because they are like this or they express different facets of masculinity or they you know dress in this way. But the mm-hmm. truth is, when you start looking at the history of K-pop, other people have done all these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is something special about how they did it, when they did it, the combination. And, you know, their manager, Bang Si-hyuk, is in my opinion, a brilliant, brilliant person. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to say they're just like everyone else, but they didn't invent all the things that they've done. That's all I'm trying to say. 
Okay. And he, you know, he was a music fan himself. So he's about my age and always talked about how he was a fan of MTV and Duran Duran in particular. And so there is the sense that even for Duran Duran, like you had to look good, right? You, you, you couldn't just sing, but you had to have a certain persona and charisma and you had to interact with the fans and so forth. And I think he was always very attentive to that, you know, having songs that told stories mm-hmm. and the fact that the seven members seem like such a close family. I think that's what fans really enjoy is the right. interactions between the seven members, that that's truly exceptional. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that's definitely one of the things I like the most about them, that they seem very close. They're funny without being mean to each other. And, you know, just for me, it's good to see humor that is not satirizing some other sad event that's happening in our world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's good to see humor that is about closeness and affection. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so actually... That brings me to another point that I was kind of interested in. So maybe this is my particular bias, because when I was growing up, and I I apologize to having this stereotype in the first place. I mean, I did grow up in the United States, and I'm a product of my context. But when I was growing up, there was a perception among my Asian American friends that Korean men were very cold and not affectionate. And so when I hear stories about, oh, you know, look how close BTS is and skinship and being affectionate. Mm-hmm. And my friend is like, yeah, Korean guys are just very affectionate. And when I was in Japan um, to visit a friend and she's like, you know, you can tell who the Koreans are versus the Japanese because the Koreans are always hand-holding and the Japanese people do not. <laughs> and I thought, huh, this is really interesting because that was not the stereotype I grew up with. So I'm wondering, you know, to what extent, and I was thinking BTS, but it's, as you say, it's not just BTS. It's these other K-pop groups that are kind of modeling and breaking stereotypes that we may have. I mean, breaking these uh, perceptions that the West may have about Asia. Yeah, I think for, you know, for Asian Americans, I also grew up in the U.S. For us, it's just a complete absence. We haven't seen people in the media, right? So again, BTS was the first to perform not just on SNL, but all of these award ceremonies, right? On the Grammys, American Music Awards, Billboard, and so forth. And so I think just seeing people has been a new thing. You know, I study interracial friendships and relationships. And at least in our research, it is the case that Asian American men seem to be disadvantaged in the dating market and so forth. And so for me, just seeing, you know, these attractive Asian American, Asian men from K-pop and K-dramas and so forth, like that's already a completely new experience for Asian Americans. We just haven't really had that until pretty recently, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in terms of the presentation, so some of this I think is a a product. I think for BTS, they really do seem exceptionally close, but Bangsi Hilk in particular and other management companies as well, they do put the members of an idol group in the dorm together. Mm -hmm. BTS started out with seven of them in one single bedroom. I saw that bedroom. (laughs) And Bangsi Hilk's new group and Hypen that just debuted less than a year ago, there were also seven of them in a single bedroom. Mm-hmm. The group 17, there's 13 members, they all live in a single dorm. So, so the idea is that they do build, they are supposed to be like a family, they present in terms of a team. So it's not even though individuals have certain personalities, but they're supposed to all go go together. So that part It is special. And also the groups are very much identified with the management teams. So I'm company. So they do know, like, you know, that this is an SM group. 
that that people can tell Mm -hmm. by by some characteristics. So I, I think that's the context that sometimes we might miss out on if we just sort of focus on one single group. And I know, of course, BTS is mm-hmm. um, is larger than life and, and everywhere, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that's really interesting to me. So what would be a characteristic of an SM group versus a versus a hybrid group? Oh, yeah. So that's, that's super, you know, and again, this is just sort of my opinion. But but other I think other people that watch K pop do have a sense. So when you watch a video, first of all, it's always identified what company it is. Okay, YG, for instance, they have producers that sort of do more hip hop kind of thing. So it's like a so groups like Blackpink, that sounds like a YG group, but they their predecessor was a group called 21, which is also all girl group. So it's sort of more hip hop heavy kind of music. JYP, is he produced the Wonder Girls so some of the songs are more Motown R&B a little bit more melodic again they have they all do a complete gamut of of different styles so I don't want to say you know one company does x and one company does y okay there are some traits that are shared okay there are end of the year shows where it's groups from one company that perform together so anyway okay hmm (laughs) I think I'm going to start having to listen to other K-pop groups as well. It's a lot. It's really a lot to learn. It is, but <laughs> that that's going to that's going to be my relaxation time. <laughs> One last question, let's talk about our bias. And our bias is mm. our favorite members. And so who is I mean, I'm going to ask I already know who your bias is, but I'm going to ask you anyway, who is your bias and talk <laughs> about why? <laughs> So my bias is J-Hope, and I think a lot of fans, um, his nickname is Hopey. Um, his full name is Jong 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 Hosok. He's the main dancer of the group, sort of second in charge. He's the one that learns the dance routines and teaches it to the other members. And I think it's just once you get into any group of BTS in particular... You don't just see them when they're dancing or singing, but because there's all these behind the scenes videos, you get a sense of their personalities or at least the personalities that are presented their fans. Mm -hmm. And to me, he's just so professional and always he's also known as the cheerful one and so forth. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I love him to pieces. Who's your bias, Nancy? (laughs) My bias is also J-Hope because I just (laughs) really love his dancing. It is just, yeah. uh, I love b-boy groups or b-boy, um, b-boying. I mean, I can't do it myself, but I like watching it. And he is just phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's really cheerful. I've always liked him from the beginning. And yes, very professional mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. prepared. And I, I'm always interested in his clothes. And uh, yes. I don't know if you follow J-Hope's Closet. It's a Twitter account, Instagram oh, I've account. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen okay. it. So I, I like to look at his clothes and I, because of that, I look at clothes that I myself would never be able to afford, like Louis Vuitton. I'm like, oh, that looks nice. I mean, yeah. I'm obviously can't afford it, yeah. but it looks nice. Yeah, yeah. So one last question before we close out. What is one of your favorite songs from BTS? Yeah, so this one's really hard. So I'm going to yes. cheat a little bit and talk about a few, if okay. that's okay. But I guess my one single absolute favorite is probably Spring Day, mm-hmm. Pomnal, which is a song that is about missing your friend, but also, so it's not a typical love song. There are references to our Mar- Margaret Atwood short story, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas, Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. There's references to a Swall ferry accident, and it's been on the Melon charts for 223 weeks, <laughs> so wow. which is kind of incredible. So I guess that's my absolute favorite, but I have lots of other f- songs that I love. Okay, so people can listen to that. My favorite song, I wouldn't say it's my favorite f- song, 
And being a new fan, I am really more attuned yes. to the recent release. So the one I really like, yes. of course, besides Butter and Dynamite, is I really like Life Goes On. Uh-huh. I, I think it's really uh, from their last album, B. I think it is soothing, uh-huh. comforting. I think it really demonstrates the closeness of the members. And I just think it's just a really nice song. And I think it's poetic based on you know the translations I've, I've seen. So I do like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but I would I would recommend to the listeners look at some of their old stuff. Bapse is some some a song I really like, and you know they should look at videos for Dope, for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, DNA, Boy with Love, and so forth. But there's so many great songs. Yes, yes, and I'm going to continue <laughs> my journey about learning more about BTS because I I really have to I really have to catch up to catch up to all the other fans. Well, thank you, Grace, so much for your insight and analysis. It's really been a pleasure. This is Nancy Ann, one of your hosts of Yellow and Brown Tales, and my guest has been Dr. Grace Cow from Yale University, and we've been talking about BTS and K-pop. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yellow and Brown Tales, Asian American Folklife Today is a podcast that is supported by the Asian American Studies Program at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.